Hello there. I'm Peter Alsop, here again with this week's episode of my Songs to Chew podcast. Today we'll listen to two versions of one of my earliest satirical songs, Doing It For You. It's basically a look at a macho guy with a big attitude who attempts to make his case to his girlfriend that all of his self-centered behaviors are actually things he does for her own good. The first version came out on my first album in 1975, Peter Alsop, which was recorded live at Bob Stain's comedy club, The Ice House in Pasadena. I've always enjoyed performing the song live, as you will hear. At one point, as I become the macho guy, I turn my back on the audience, remove my outer shirt, throw it to one side, roll up my t-shirt sleeves, flex my arms, and set my guitar to rock and roll crotch position. With the transformation into my cool dude character complete, I slowly turn back to the audience. They giggle in anticipation. Well, let's listen. We'll talk afterwards. So here it is from my first live solo album, Peter Alsop, Doing It For You. Do we have any male chauvinists here tonight? Yeah. Woo! Oh, good. <laughs> well, see, I got a friend who's a male chauvinist. But he said he was the last one in Los Angeles. But I guess not, huh? Okay, well... <laughs> Oh, I'm going to enjoy doing this song. <laughs> he came up to me and said, Peter, you know what? I don't think women appreciate the things us men do for them nowadays. Right yeah. Right See that? You know, like my old lady, for instance, you know? She don't appreciate nothing I do, and everything I do is for her. Everything I do. Open a door for her. I let her work and support me. <laughs> don't swear in front of her. She... <laughs> Why don't you write a song for me and my kind of people, huh? What do you say? I said, okay. <laughs> now to do this justice, I have to get into my macho mood, and it's a little rusty, so give me a second. I can... <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Got a good masculine beat. <laughs> well, I treat you politely, baby, and so you can't complain. I hold the door when you go out and when you go in again. The only time I interrupt is when you talk too slow. And I've been teaching you the questions to the answers that I know. So why, 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 you're trying to rearrange me, yeah, why, 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 you're always trying to change me, why, 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 should you want something new when I'm only doing it for you, yeah. I'll let you make my breakfast, though you always burn my eggs. I take you into public places with that hair upon your legs. And when my friends come over, well, I never make you leave. And I helped you with them dishes for that dinner Christmas Eve. So why, why, why? You're trying to rearrange me, yeah, why, why, why? You're always trying to change me, why, why, why? Should you want something new when I'm only doing it for you? Huh. 
only come to bed at night to satisfy your need. I'm good and fast, I know you like to stay awake and read. You say I ain't kind to you, but when we went to lunch, you spilled your soup all over me and I only hit you once. So why, why, why? Trying to rearrange me, yeah, why, why, why? You're always trying to change me, why, why, why? want something new and I'm only doing it for you yes I'm only doing it to you said I'm only In the late 70s, I wrote and performed lots of songs about sexual relationships, partly because I was working at college coffee houses and clubs, where the audience was mostly young couples. I'd get audiences laughing with these songs, lots of nervous excitement from the discomfort that goes along with the early stages of dating or getting together. I was most interested in helping other guys raise their consciousness so they could see how our male privilege, our size, strength, and assertiveness in getting what we want could be used to mistreat girls, women, gays and lesbians, and even children without us having any awareness that it was even happening. Much of our cultural training as males teaches us as boys that it's okay to force ourselves and our own horny agenda onto others. It's such a normal part of our upbringing that we don't even notice when we do it. We do it unintentionally without any awareness of feelings of empathy for others, without a glimmer of understanding how our uncaring, self-centered behaviors affect other people. It's all part of a story we absorb growing up that guys deserve to get what we want, and when we're successful, we're considered strong and effective and normal. But when we're not held responsible as boys for the damage we create in the lives of those around us on whom we forced ourselves, we grow up to become men who remain oblivious to our own lack of skills and our inability to be more caring to others. This is a lonely and confusing place for men to be, both personally and societally. I had to learn some of these hard lessons about myself. And when I did, with the help of others around me, mostly my feminist women friends, I could see the need to pass on what I'd learned to others. If I was going to write songs about these kinds of privileged male behaviors and hopefully reach other men who are oblivious, as I had been, I realized that to do it by direct confrontation wouldn't work. I thought that satire and humor would be much more effective. So I tried to get the macho guys in the audience on my side for a minute, get them to agree with me, how we're mistreated and misunderstood as men just because we do what men do. I thought that if I emphasized how selfish and ridiculous my macho character acted, that it would be clear to everyone in the audience, and we would hopefully laugh at the character and gently bust the macho guys in the audience. Most nights, this happened. Some nights it was uphill. Women and men, too, would laugh and appreciate the way this song shines a light on some of our male self-centeredness and the ways we misuse power in our most intimate relationships. My second album, Asleep at the Helm on Flying Fish Records, was a collection of my feminist men's songs, so doing it for you just had to be on that album, too. I got Julie Thompson to produce it with me. She'd produced a couple of albums with Holly Near. I'm a big fan of hers. Bruce Kaplan, owner of Flying Fish Records, agreed to put us on his label, and we garnered quite a bit of airplay and praise from the media when the album came out in 1977. There really weren't many men recording songs about gender issues back then, so here's the second highly produced version of that same song with inspired horn arrangements by Michael Kalina from my 1977 album, Asleep at the Helm. Here it is again. <laughs> <laughs> 
doing it for you. Who, me? Macho? <laughs> Listen, baby. Women today don't appreciate the things us men do for them. I mean, I mean, everything I do is for your own good. Well, I treat you politely, baby, and so you can't complain. I hold the door when you go out and when you go in again. The only time I interrupt is when you talk too slow. And I've been teaching you the questions to the answers that I know. So why, why, why? You're trying to rearrange me, yeah, why, why, why? You're always trying to change me, why, why, why? Should you want something new when I'm only doing it for you? Well, I'll let you make my breakfast, though you always burn my eggs. I'll take you into public places with that hair upon your legs. When my friends come over, I never make you leave. And I helped you with them dishes for that dinner Christmas Eve. So why, why, why? You trying to rearrange me, yeah, why, why, why? You're always trying to change me, why, why, why? Did you want something new and I'm only doing it for you? Julie because she pointed out things in a number of my songs that she felt I ought to think through a bit more. That was really helpful because using humor with sensitive and loaded subjects can be complicated and delicate. If it's not thought through and well delivered, it can turn unfunny very quickly. The trick is to laugh with other people about what needs changing rather than add anyone. In the 1980s, I was part of a professional conference for human service professionals and people with serious illnesses. Doctors, nurses, therapists, and other human service professionals attended from all across the country. It was called The Healing Power of Laughter and Play. Dr. Annette Goodhart, one of the other presenters, and I designed a workshop on how to do victimless humor. We'd get the folks in our workshop to share a joke at which they had laughed when they had first heard it, but then felt guilty or ashamed of themselves for laughing at it afterwards. We would break down their joke into its separate elements to see which parts were funny or enjoyable, 
the elements that got them to laugh, like the excitement of the joke teller or the clever twist at the end, the rhythm and timing of the joke. Then we look at the parts of the joke that were hurtful or exclusionary, the parts that they felt badly about laughing at, making fun of someone else with a disability or ethnicity or a different color skin or any other physical, sexual, or mental differences. Then we figure out a way to change the things we didn't like and keep the things we did like and see if we could salvage the joke and tell it without putting anyone down. I bring this up in relationship to doing it for you here because I still write humorous songs in my attempt to make the world a safer, more understanding place. But I always want to be sure that I do no harm with my songs. One of the strongest couplets in my doing it for you song is, You say I ain't kind to you, but when we went to lunch, you spilled your soup all over me and I only hit you once. Well, people almost always laugh at that line. I think the men and women in a social setting like a club laugh at that because it's so surprising and tension-producing and wrong that they need to laugh to release the tension it creates. It's so outrageous to even say that out loud to others, let alone use it as an example of how he thinks he's being kind by not hitting her more than once. I choose carefully where and when to play this song, and I've learned to segue immediately out of the character of the macho guy into a monologue about the fact that statistically there are survivors of male violence and abuse sitting in the audience. We know that one out of three young women are abused in this country before they're 18 years old, and that it is us, men and boys, who are responsible for that statistic. When those survivors hear people laugh about someone being hit, they often feel a little more left out, a little more hidden, and a little more abused, because there must be something wrong with them when others laugh at something that is definitely not funny. It's never okay for an entertainer to just go for the laugh. If I want to be clever or funny, I have to be clever enough to figure out how to be funny without re-abusing survivors of abuse that are in my audience. And I need to be clever enough to make sure I reach the guys who have been or who have the potential to be abusive to women. I know this song has helped men understand how it might feel if someone else is abusive to them or to someone they love. I've sold many copies to therapists who use this song in their anger management groups with men. I do this song because survivors understand that this song uses humor to engage men who have been abusive and then points out how uncomfortable that behavior is for everyone concerned, including themselves. That very feeling of discomfort for many men has been the beginning of a new awareness. I think that's plenty of song chewing for today. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Peter Alsop. I'll be back next week with another song to chew. Please come again and bring a friend. Bye for now.